to the book of First Samuel. First Samuel. Hallelujah. We're going to start a Bible study tonight. And uh, we have worked our way through a lot of different books in the Bible. And I recently have been reading First Samuel and specifically looking at Saul and then especially David and a lot of the different characters that are around David. And, and, and there's so much there that I believe we can be strengthened by for such a time as this. Amen. I, I want you to pay attention. I shouldn't have to say that when you come to the house of God. But uh, I really, it's got to be more than just hearing the word. We've got to apply it to our lives. And I want you every service to say, God, apply this to me. Help me to, to, to be better, affected because of the word. So we're going to start in 1 Samuel. And, um, and uh, because of some Old Testament truths that we're looking at that point to New Testament um, understanding, we're going to dig into some of that before we get to a very simple point about Hannah. We're going to be talking about Hannah, Samuel's uh, mom. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for just, Lord, how we have felt your touch. And, Lord, that you're with us in prayer and with us in these testimonies. Be with us as we open up your word. Teach us and lead us, God. Help us, perfect us, God. Help us to look at our lives, to look at, Lord, every part of our hearts as our brother testified, Lord, just work on us and make us better, Lord. Uh, let your word, God, just sanctify our lives. And Lord, we'll give you all the glory, all the praise. It's you alone that's worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. First Samuel 1, verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramathame Zophim of Mount Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, and the son of the son of Jehor, Jor, Joraham, and the son of Elihu, son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to ask. Uh, Becca and, and Madeline, if you will, wheel the whiteboard up here. We're going to use this at the beginning. Like I said, this is going to be a very simple Bible study. But uh, I feel like there's some things just in my heart as I was praying about this. I see, uh, I feel like we need this whiteboard just to make it super clear to you so you can make sure that you're following along. As we lo go into First and Second Samuel, maybe later on into... First uh, and Second Kings, as the Lord leads, we want to start here with Samuel. Samuel uh, was well. Samuel's mother, Hannah. Samuel was a uh, a great prophet that God used to uh, at this time. But uh, before Samuel ever moved on the scene, there was a woman who was praying. God had a plan. That was a whole lot bigger than even this, the family that we mention here today. God had a plan to bless and to lead the people of God. God's plan in your life is bigger than you. 
exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think is what the Word says. Amen. So often we are leaning unto our own understanding rather than leaning not. And, and we're looking at, at, at the details of, uh, of the trial and the battle. God's doing something great. And you're a part of it. When God is working and God is moving, read the Word of God and see these great things, even in the little times. I believe one of the prophets talked about despising not the day of small things. Because in those times, as David was a, just a shepherd boy, a nobody... But God was building something in him. Every, every day, every faithful night that he spent, all the battles were gearing him up for greater things. More than he could ever imagine. And it wasn't about him. It was about God and God's plan and God's people. How about Joseph? We talk about him sometimes. Just a, just a young man uh, that seemed like the least in his family. But yet God was working in him to do a great work that, had, that was going to save the, not just his family, but the people of God. We want to look at Hannah today. Before there was ever this man, Samuel, there was a woman named, named Hannah. The Bible says that she was uh, married to this man, Elkanah, and he had two wives. Uh, don't try that at home. Amen. That's... Praise God. We can get into that study some other time. That's not the will of God. Praise God. But, uh, and you'll see always, even though God, you know, in the old covenant, there were some things that, that the Bible says God winked at. But now, in these days, commands all men to repent. But you'll never see it really blessed. There's always turmoil. There's always problems with Abraham and with David and with, with Hannah as well. Amen. Uh, it's it's never never a blessed life, and whew, I can't only imagine, as the one songwriter said. Some things uh, I want this to be clear as we look at um, the Old Testament, because what we have is uh, I need an, uh, we need an understanding. I think some of these things we we get, but some of these things we uh, we uh, maybe get confused on. See, the the Old Testament is. Not unimportant. Uh, nobody says when you come into church, hey, that doesn't matter, get rid of it. It's in our Bibles for a reason, amen? But what we will find out is the Old Testament is continually pointing to New Testament truths. Amen. Brother Mike's got a scripture he's going to read for us. Matthew 5.17, go ahead. I've not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. He didn't come to destroy it. We're not here to say it doesn't matter, but there is something, there's value in the Old Testament because it points to a New Testament fulfillment. Amen. What we see set forth in the Old Testament is types and shadows of New Testament truths. God teaching us lessons in Galatians it talks about the law of Moses and the Old Testament being a schoolmaster, a teacher that would lead us to Christ. Praise God. Brother Dave's got Colossians 2. 
These are all Old Testament laws. The, the Sabbath days, the, the, the clean and unclean meats, the feast days. Go ahead, brother. A shadow of things to come. Go ahead. So what we have here is shadows in the Old Testament that point to Christ, the substance. I tell people all the time, we were excited that somebody was coming. And we were waiting for somebody to come. Maybe the door was open. The sun was shining a certain way. And you see the shadow. You got a little hint that they're coming. They're here. If they come in, to, if they come around the corner and you're going after that shadow. Oh, it's so great. Look at that shadow. I'm so excited. And they're standing right there. Something's wrong with you. The shadows point to Jesus. Christ is the fulfillment of of the scripture, brother Mike said. Amen. We many times have lessons from the Old Testament of natural things. The law of Moses was keep the laws, obey. And not that we don't have obedience in the New Testament, but these natural truths are pointing to spiritual things that God comes into our life and changes our heart. Amen. So now, praise God, we have His laws not just on tables of stone of the Old Testament, but on our hearts in the New Testament. What He told us to obey in the Old Testament, we have flowing through us, through the Spirit of God in the New Testament. Amen. The, the Old Testament talks about a sacrifice for sin. Jesus fulfilled that. He's our sacrifice. The Passover lamb, that's Jesus. Amen. The sin offering, the burnt offering, the trespass offering. Amen. All in Jesus. Amen. He's our New Testament rest. Amen. He's our high priest. Hallelujah. What we have in Him is a fulfillment of the Old Testament laws. Praise God. So when we look at some of these things sometimes that, uh, that are being portrayed in the Old Testament by the children of God, we got to keep in mind, and maybe as you read the Bible, you might be able to look at more and more. Hey, I understand this is what the law said, but look what we are doing in Christ. See, God had a covenant, amen, with His people. You know what that is? That's like a contract. A covenant is how... God comes into relationship with His people. In the Old Testament, we had, he, they had a covenant, which was the law. The law of Moses. You say, was that the Ten Commandments? If it only was. 1600, 1600s, rather, and 13 laws of the Old Testament that said, if you do these things, you'll be my ch children. What you'll find out is like I said in Galatians, it says it's a school teacher because when you start to keep 613 laws, what do you find out? I'm a sinner. I need to constantly be making sacrifices because I'm, I guess I'm unholy in the sight of a holy God because I keep breaking laws. 
But when Jesus comes, we have the gospel. Amen. We have the death, the burial, the resurrection, the blood of Jesus Christ, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The law was an old covenant of here's what you have to do to be holy. The gospel tells us that through Jesus, through trusting in him, leaning on him, turning to him and be burying that old life, being filled with him, he will put his laws on your heart. We have a covenant. We have a relationship now. Amen. To have a right relationship in the Old Testament, it was keep the law. Amen. In the New Testament, it's no Jesus. It's, it's no walk with him through his gospel. Amen. So we have an Old Testament covenant made with a relationship. He calls out Abraham. Amen. Stay with me. This is important to to talking about Hannah not having any children. But I want you to understand this. So in the Old Testament, the covenant was made with Israel. Really with Abraham and then with Isaac and Jacob who became Israel. But it's God's people. He called them out, gave them the token of that covenant, circumcision, and said, you're going to be my children. Called out of this world, and you're going to be a light to this world. I'm making a covenant. You keep my laws, and you will be my children. In the New Testament, his covenant is the gospel, and it's not just to Israel now. It is to all flesh, whosoever will. I want to put that down. Who? (laughs) Whosoever will. If you want to be part of the family of God, it's for you. We are now, no matter who, who you are, no matter what nation you're from, no matter uh, what country, no, no matter who you are, you can be a part of the covenant of God through the gospel. The law was only to Israel. The Gentile, the non-Jew had no part. But God called all the world. Amen. When the Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost, Peter quotes, Joel says, upon All flesh shall pour out my spirit. All kinds of flesh. Doesn't matter who you are, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. So this is the Old Testament, New Testament. Shadows and a substance. The natural being fulfilled in the spiritual. The law being fulfilled in the gospel. The people of God, Israel, now, whosoever will, let him come. Now, God's people... I'm just going to take this off so it doesn't roll around. God's people, Israel, in the Old Testament, keeping the law, God said, I'm going to give you an inheritance. All right? It was so important to them. This was God's... I'm telling you what, trying to spell and think and talk and chew gum at the same time. Okay. There is an inheritance. Amen? God said, okay, Israel, you're my children. I'm going to give you the land of Israel. I hope you can see this. This was, he divided it up into the different tribes. Amen? And under the Old Testament, this was a natural shadow of New Testament truths. The inheritance of God's people, God's covenant people, was the land. 
He said, here's where you get it. Here's where Judah will reside. Here's where uh, Joseph's children, Ephraim and Manasseh, will live. Here's where Benjamin, Gad, Asher, all 12 of them. The Levites would have their suburbs and their land. It was so, this was what God gave them. This is for you. And I want you to live in that. This is my, my, my gift, my inheritance to you. And you give it to your sons and their sons after them. Amen. But the New Testament, praise God. Brother Chris got a scripture. First Peter. First Peter. Uh-huh. All right. Yep. To what? To an inheritance. Amen. Incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away. Reserved where? Reserved in heaven. We've got an inheritance. It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God. Amen. This is the New Testament inheritance of God. Your place in, the, in God's plan, hallelujah, is His will to put you in His kingdom. Amen. The same way His children had a natural inheritance, which was a shadow. Substance. A shadow of a New Testament spiritual truth, that land that they said, that's mine, I'm not selling it, I'm not giving it away, it's going to be passed down to my children. That's why it was so important, hear me now, for a woman to be able to bear sons. It was an Old Testament understanding that in order for God's gift to me my place in His kingdom. I need to be able to pass this down. All the scriptures, and we could go off on a very, very rich tangent right now, but all those scriptures say, hey, if a woman didn't have sons, well, maybe uh, the brother of her husband could could bear, have her bear sons in his name because we have to pass this on. We can't lose the inheritance that God gave us. Amen? To be barren was to seem like, like you were unuseful. Like that everything that was given to me, how am I going to... This is from God. This is God's inheritance that He has given me. I, I, I don't want to lose it. I don't want it to go to... No, I, this is so important. So the idea of having sons... To pass down this inheritance was so important that Hannah was taunted by Panina. She had an adversary and she was mocked and it broke her heart because her, her place in God's kingdom was, I, I need to make sure that that inheritance is passed on. There's a New Testament truth in this. Praise God. Can I tell you that in the kingdom of heaven, when we are believing the gospel and obeying His gospel and we are part of His kingdom, it's God's will that we pass it on. It's God's will that we are fruitful and multiply. 
Amen. I want my children to have it. Praise God. But I'll tell you what, I want to be able to find people that will take and we can be help people be born again by our witness. It is it, it, the same way it was a shame. It was a travesty for a woman in the Old Testament not to be able to pass down the inheritance of, of that that place of the land of God. It is a travesty for a Christian to be unfruitful. To it's God's will that you be a part of winning souls. Did you hear me? It is God's plan. This has you see it throughout the Word of God. This idea of of the bride, the church, the bride saying, "Listen, let's look at something in Genesis. Turn to Genesis once. You remember uh, Jacob had two wives. Again, don't try this at home. Leah." And who? Rachel. Amen. Praise God. Leah starts having babies. Rachel is barren. Do you remember what Rachel said to her husband? Genesis 30, verse 1. Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children. Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob... Give me children or else I die. She basically was saying, I feel so useless if I'm not producing an heir. Amen. Hey, we, we're not, there's no shame in, 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 in barrenness today. That's a, oh, that we're talking about a spiritual barrenness that is a shame for the church. If you're not actively saying, God, I want to be a part of, of seeing souls born again into the kingdom of God, whatever I can do to be a part, I don't want to be useless. I don't want to, I don't want to be that one that, that doesn't care. Amen. It's part of who we are. Amen. It's part of being healthy church. We read in our text of Hannah, she had no children And she is heavy. She's feeling that burden. And her husband tries to show her how valuable she is to him. Gives her, the Bible says, a worthy portion. He's doing his best to bless her. I I think that's awesome. I think it's a little funny. I don't know if God meant it to be, but it just strikes me a little funny because her whole heart is, I, I want to be a part of what God is doing. Amen. It, it, I, I want to be able to say that I, I help God's kingdom be passed on to another generation. I want to be useful. I want It, it, it was seen as, I, I'm not in the will of God. I'm not in God's favor if I'm not producing an heir. And her husband said, aren't I better than ten sons? This kind of sounds like a guy. You know, hey, I'm better than any of that, baby. You know, you, you got me. You don't have to worry about none of that, right? He was clueless. But you know what she did? She didn't tell him how clueless he was. She went to the temple to pray. Let me make sure before we start getting into our preaching that we're done with this. So when we look at Old Testament truths... We see natural ideas, but God's got a lesson for us. Amen. God's got a spiritual lesson that is pointing to the substance of a New Testament gospel. Amen. 
This covenant that God made with Israel, this keeping of the law, and you'll be my children, their place, that, that land that He gave them, amen, was their inheritance. And He said, you're going to keep that in your family and you're going to pass that down. And He made all kinds of stipulations to make sure that it could stay in that family, that that family name and that family inheritance was passed down. Can I tell you what the family name is now? It's Jesus. We have been brought into this family through Christ. Amen. We're grafted into the family of God now. And that New Testament church, praise God, we got to pass on the family name. We ought to be about everything we do leading people to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. To be able to, to see souls born into the family of God. So when you see... The idea of someone saying, oh, God, um, uh, what, a, what a shame and what a reproach that I have that I'm not bearing children. We ought to look at that and say, God, what a shame and reproach if I'm not praying for souls. Amen. When we see somebody saying, give me children or I'm going to die, we ought to, it ought to spark something in us and say, God, help me win somebody to your kingdom or I'm going to die. I can't live a self-centered life. It's got to be about helping, blessing, passing this on. Amen. Some of you that have been living for God for a while. Amen. It ought to be your heart. Not just to preserve yourself. Oh, i got to be careful. No. Go into all the world. Tell somebody about Jesus. Give your testimony to somebody. Can I say it this way? And not seem crude. you got to be fertile spiritually. You have got to say, it's up to me to bring forth and be a part of the soul-winning process. Amen. What did, uh, what was her plan of action? I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I asked somebody that I'm married to. A Bible question before church. And I asked her, I said, uh, what's the first scripture that comes to your mind in the New Testament about teaching people how to win souls? And uh, she kind of looked at me and thought about it. And brought up some things and, and said, but I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank. You know, I'm not saying it's not there at all. The principles are there. But the idea that I feel like is in this Bible is not here's specifically how to have a formula to knock on a door and tell somebody what it means and how to be a soul winner. Amen? There's not a lot of just, hey, here's what you need to do. We have examples in the book of Acts, certainly. Amen. We have principles on how to treat our neighbor. But I want to tell somebody here today what Hannah did when she felt like nothing was moving and shaking in her life. She went into the presence of God. Amen. She spent some time on her face before God. She started calling out to God. She started spending quality time with God. Can I tell you something? When the bride starts spending quality time with God. Amen. Then we can see some babies born into the kingdom of God. It's going to take more than just to going through the motions. 
Can I tell you, it takes an intimacy. It takes a real relationship with God. If we can stop being so selfish and start getting our hearts in love with God more than ever before, coming into His presence and feeling like I'm not getting enough. Amen. Just really pouring our love into into our walk with God. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Church isn't healthy if we're not spending time with Him. You can look the part and you can act the part and you can fit in, but I'll tell you, if you don't have a a close, intimate walk with God. Amen. I'll say it this way. If I don't have a close, intimate walk with God, I'm a fake and a phony. Amen. Because this is why He died on the cross. This is why we have a New Testament gospel. Because He loved us so much. Amen. And we start pouring our love into Him. Amen. Isn't that what the song says? I pour my love on you. When we start, hey, He came back and said, listen to me. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I know, I don't know you. Amen. Oh, He knows your name. He knows how many hairs are on your head. How's anybody in this world not known of God? Because he's talking about an intimate relationship. He's talking about something that's more than just a familiarity. Something more than just a habit. Amen. A routine. Talking about somebody that loves God and and, and walks with Him and, and, and misses Him when you haven't been in the Word for a while. When you have, you can't go a couple days without a real prayer meeting and not feel like, you know what, I need to get back on my knees. Amen. I'm telling you, some people are getting too comfortable. Getting too comfortable going through the motions. Amen. And what happens is, you're cutting yourself off from the very thing that's given you purpose in the kingdom of God. Amen. We have a light to shine that comes through spending time with God. We have a a, a life to show them. Amen. But you can't show them something they don't have if you're not walking in it. When the bride starts spending quality time with the bridegroom. Hannah went in. I'll tell you, it's not easy. Amen. If you think having a prayer life isn't going to be a battle... You're kidding yourself. If you think having a walk with God is just going to happen and not not be attacked by the enemy. You remember, we're talking about Hannah now. Hannah goes into the presence of God. She is broken. She is broken. I, I don't want to just, I know I'm married. I know I've got the family name, but I want to be, I want to see children being born into this. Amen. I want to bring glory to God. Well, praise God. She goes to the temple that day, and Eli is backslid. We just talked about it here recently. She's broken. She is hurting. She is just pouring her guts out before God. And and how God is moving on her at that time, she's just, she's not even making a noise, but she's praying intensely. Amen. Hallelujah. She is, she's, her mouth is moving, but there's no sound coming out, and she's praying. She's praying, God, I, 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 I just, I don't, I want to, I want to be useful. I want to bring forth souls. I want to, I want to 
I want to do my part. And Eli is there, and Eli looks at her and says, Hey, you need to stop drinking, you drunk. Yeah. Talk about uh, just a... Just zero spirituality. Zero discernment. Amen? It it should have been obvious to any man who had a prayer life that this is somebody who's touching God. Should have been able to feel it when you walked into the room. Amen. She says, I don't count me as a as a daughter of Belial. I'm just my heart's broken. I want to I want to I want to do God's will. I want to have I want to see. See a, an, a son born into this family. And, and Eli says, God's going to hear your prayers. I don't give a lot of credit to Eli. Good things happen through messed up people sometimes. And it's not because Eli had any walk with God. It's because Hannah had a prayer life. Amen. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you, you've gone through, God's got his hand on your life. He's going to take care of you. Let me say that again because you need to hear this. God is not hindered by the things that are annoying you. Amen. God is not hindered by other people that are out of God's will. God will never, never do you wrong no matter what anybody else is doing. you got to understand, they're not more powerful than God. Amen. You say, oh, well, they're holding me back. They're doing this. They're doing that. God, They can't hold God back. God's got you in his mind and in his heart. He's going to help you get there. Amen. He's going to do everything he can. Amen. Hallelujah. Give God the glory. Eli was a mess. And God had his day already picked out. Eli died in judgment. Eli fell over backwards. We're going to read about it here some other time. But Hannah went into the presence of God and God heard her. The kind of praying that we're doing in this house, God sees that. The kind of praying that we are more and more engaging in is going to get God's attention. Amen. You're dead, dry, routine, going through the motions, worrying about things rather than really getting close to God and spending time with Him. How much time do you spend worshiping Him this week? How much time you spend really loving God this week? Can you just, oh, I got all these things I got to pray about. Hey, you know what? How about just telling God how awesome He is for a little while? Amen. How about just spending time at His feet? Amen. I tell you what, that's what He came to die on the cross for because He loves you. Amen. You go to God and here's, uh, I want you to do this for me. I want you to do this for me. I want you to do this for me. What do you think He feels like about? I love you. I gave my blood for you. You're my child. You're my bride. Now give me a a to-do list. Spend some time telling me, hallelujah, what I mean to you. Didn't you see how I got you up again this morning? Didn't you see how I met your needs? Didn't you see how you still got breath in your lungs? Does it mean anything to you? Have you read that book I gave you? Is there anything in there at all that you like? Is there anything that's touched you lately? Is there anything that's encouraged you lately? How do you think he feels? Amen. She got close to God, and God answered her prayer. Amen. Hannah is the best example of a soul winner I can tell you about. Because she did her part under an old covenant and showed us what it means that if we 
want to win souls for the kingdom of God. Amen. We need to get close to Jesus. We need to cry out to Him. We need to walk with Him. It needs to be real. It needs to get dig down a little deeper. Amen. I could spend a little time. Uh, because once children are born, they need care. Amen. She's getting herself ready for, for work to do. She's getting herself ready to, to, to have to really have some responsibilities. Church isn't just about, you know, a lot of times the church is... Uh, Nowadays, it seems like just getting people signed up, getting a, state, uh, uh, a declaration of their faith, maybe getting them baptized, and that's it. No, no, we got, we got child training. We got discipleship. Amen. We've got to, we got to teach people how to. Some of you is just starting out. I keep telling, don't. There's no shame, and and just you're you're learning a whole new, a whole new way of life. Amen. You did all your best to be the best you can be, and now you got to figure out how to. How to just lean on God. And what does that even mean some days? What does that mean in my job? What does that mean in my, my marriage? What does that mean in, in, when I come to the house of God even? You know, what does that mean as I pray? I, I've been used to a certain way for so long. But listen, that's what happens. In a, and we all start working together trying to help somebody, encourage somebody, not make them feel put down or insecure, but building them up and teaching them and leading them and discipling them. Amen. It's so important that we have men and women in the house of God that, that are part of the process. Amen. We can all pray. We can all pray. But you know, if I'm praying for souls and then, and then maybe uh, Sister Becca invites somebody, praise God, and then, and then you go over and make them feel so welcome and then somebody else is praying with them around the altar and then someone else says, I'm going to be your friend and I'm going to, going to maybe spend some time and encourage you. That's everybody's responsibility. Amen. That's everybody. Everybody gets a part of that. It's not, oh, well, look at me. I got, I got one in my belt. Praise God. You invited somebody, prayed. What does the Bible say? It says uh, one, one planet, another uh, watered. God gave the increase. To God be the glory. Amen. I said to God be the glory. But everybody's got a part. That's why. That's why. I don't really, I don't like sometimes throwing something negative in, but that's why Jesus said, you cause a child to stumble? Because look at all that he put into this. Somebody got close to Jesus and loved him and worshipped him and, and prayed and, and cried out to God. And, and God brings a soul in this last day into church. Ooh, it's, I'll tell you what, in these last days when hearts are so hard, somebody came to church. Wow. That's a big deal. Amen. Somebody's prayers were answered. The church's prayers were answered. God dealt with them and moved on them. Amen. That's somebody's uh, mom or somebody's child or somebody's neighbor, maybe. Amen. And they prayed and prayed and prayed, and they showed up to check it out. They saw a lot of things they're not used to. They don't act like that in my church. Amen. It's gonna. How do you get somebody to 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 really cry out to God uh, when when they're they're kind of freaked out, <laughs> right? I never saw anybody do it like that. I never heard prayer like that. Amen. But I feel something. But I feel something that's that that's more than I've ever seen. It's not a it's not a religious routine. Are you hearing me? Amen. 
Somebody else, all the, well, somebody else, they start lining up, try to love them and show them they're welcome and show them praying with them. Amen. And then somebody throws a stumbling block in front of them. That baby Christian, that one that's just maybe taken baby steps to be a baby Christian. Ooh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to stand before God and see the look on his face when, when you got in the way of a baby being born. Can you imagine somehow causing damage? Somebody's expecting, somebody's got a newborn, and you say, can I visit? And you are reckless with that baby? Oh, my. I'll tell you what, don't expect to get invited over for dinner. That's God's baby. Amen. And that's what God, you say the church and, and maybe that person's friend or family member is, has been praying about this for years, but praise God. Hallelujah. But that's God's, God's mission. He wasn't done when he got you in church. He wasn't done or we'd be out of here. So we all need to be about our father's business. We all need to be looking into this. Listen, there are lessons in this, these books of First and Second Samuel that are so valuable to be a strong child of God. Some of them are about being a soldier. Some of them are about being a leader. Some of them are about being a follower. But so much here, so valuable to the New Testament. But we have to recognize these natural Old Testament shadows pointing to New Testament truths. And Hannah, what a beautiful, beautiful picture of someone that can just come into the presence of God to see a new birth. Oh, we're praying for new birth. Listen, it's not God's will for us, like I said the other day, about being a mutual admiration society. It's not, a, it's not God's will for us to, to just hunker down and, and not be uh, stained by the world. He wants us to be fruitful and to multiply. It's God's will. And if we're healthy... If we're healthy and in the presence of God, God's going to bring new birth. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I believe there's some here that you've been praying. Like Rachel. Like Hannah. I don't want to be a church that's stagnant. I don't want to be a Christian who's unfruitful. I don't want to be so concerned with myself that I miss the heart of God that is to pass on this inheritance to others. I might not be have an opportunity this week to invite somebody. But I can pray. I might not have an opportunity to share my testimony. But I can encourage somebody who's starting out. Everybody's got a part. Everybody that's spending time, quality time, in the presence of the bridegroom is going to know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, time to make up your mind I'm going to spend time hearing from God loving God not just telling Him what I want 
Oh, come on, let's gather around. Let's talk to the Lord. Brothers here on my right, sisters on my left, let's let's pray. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. servant is the one that when he returns in an hour that you think not is doing his will. We 
think just because we are going through the motions of, of a Christian existence, we're doing His. But no, doing means understanding what His will is, being a part of that. His will is that we are fruitful. His will is that we bring forth children of God in this hour. The harvest is there, the Bible says. But where are the laborers, the doers? He said, pray for laborers. Pray that somebody would come and have a heart to see new souls being born in the kingdom of God. Lord, let it be me. Don't let me be found self-willed when you return. Don't let me be found not doing your will, being a part of your plan and purpose for this generation. Oh, help us, Lord. Let's all stand. Father, thank you. Thank you again for what you're doing in us, God. Thank you, Lord, for just allowing us to be a part of your plan and your purpose in this hour. Lord, we know there's battles. We know there's trials. But God, help us not to be distracted from your work that needs to be done. Thank you so much for giving us time to to be doers of your will. Continue to open doors. Continue to lead us. And Lord, bless each one, I pray. God, keep your hand of protection on us as we travel. And Lord, shine your light through us. We love you. We thank you, God. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church.